may be seated. No timer. I'm watching the clock. Like I did that last week, right? Sorry. We're not supposed to be watching the clock in his his church service. You know that, right? Okay. Sermon on the Mount continued, the Beatitudes. As I was preparing today's message and reflecting back on the first two Beatitudes we spoke about last week, uh, a thought came to mind. When we look at this book, all 66, I think you would agree that there's a lot of stuff in here, correct? A lot. All of it for our guidance and edification and comfort, especially when we do an in-depth study regarding Bible study. But this is why, and I think you'll agree that it's difficult to remember everything that we hear. We've sat through a lot of sermons, a lot of Bible studies, and think about how difficult it is to remember some of the things that we have heard, which is why we need to hear many of the important things over and over again. Uh, I'm sure Pastor Bob would be the first one to tell you that if he's looking and praying for something to preach about, uh, all the sermons that he's preached, that uh, the Holy Spirit may lay on his heart something that he preached maybe a year ago, months ago, and you think, wow, I just talked about that. I can tell you, I think we spoke about that last week. Uh, We forgot that uh, very quickly. By the way, uh, we spoke about last week taking a look about that message above the door. Uh, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands how many actually looked above the door, talking about short memory. Got another chance today. In the exercise of daily, daily living, what do we need to know that we can remember and will keep us where the Lord wants us to be? I've said many times from this pulpit that I love simplicity. Show of hands, how many people here like simplicity in their life? Okay, how many people like complexity? <laughs> I hope the, that would be tongue-in-cheek you know, uh, so to speak, <laughs> nonverbal. Yeah. You just want to be different? Is that the, uh, is that the okay. <laughs> I guess there are some people like complexity, right? But, uh, okay, so let's discuss. In Matthew 22, Jesus says this. Uh, this is verse 30, 34 through 40. But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him, saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. We could stop here with just these two verses as to the key to living an ideal Christian life. We've all heard these verses many times. How are we doing? Said in a sarcastic way to prove the point that someone is not doing something, 
Well, you may have been asked the question, how are you doing with that? So I would ask you, how are we doing with that? How are we doing with the first and great commandment, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, and soul, and the second one, loving our neighbor as ourselves. If we're grading ourselves, if I'm grading myself, I probably, I don't know if I'll give myself an F, D minus, if I'm honest, right? I told you many times I drive every day of the week. You wouldn't want to be driving with me in the car when you see, now look, there's no profanity, I assure you, but I'm not the kindest person, and I would lose my Christian witness because the highways are just dangerous today. The stuff that you see, I'm sure you would agree if you spend some time on, on the highways. It's unbelievable how dangerous it is to drive on the highway today. It's incredible. So the Beatitudes tell us how we can live out these two commandments, and we will be blessed if we do them. That is the B, the B-E. Remember we talked about it last week? The B-E attitudes. This is how we're to be. And happy are we if we do them. We can consider some other instruction in Romans 12. This is pretty lengthy, but I want to read it because it kind of gives us some of the other things that we need to be thinking about. So I'm going to read uh, Romans 12. I beseech you, brethren, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. This is every day by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God for you and for me. For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according to God, hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, many, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another, thinking about the other person. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible... As much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. 
Dear beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink, for in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Think about that. If your enemy hungers, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. And you're going to put coals of fire on his head by doing so. That's a big difference than responding with anger. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And James, adding to this, 122 says, Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. And then going back the verse before that, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity. There's a word you hear about 20 times a week, right? It means superabundance. So just think of an overflowing abundance of naughtiness. And receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Notice that it says meekness. The point is that many of the things that we need to be doing can fall under the attitudes in the Beatitudes. So all these things we just read in Romans, which is why I took the time to read it, can all be condensed as to how we should handle ourselves aside from the first two commandments that we read in living our daily life and how we should be treating our fellow men and absolute certainly with uh, you know our brothers and sisters in Christ. Sometimes we have a hard time with that. Verse 5 in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meek is an adjective about someone who is quiet, gentle, and submissive. How many people know somebody like that? Yeah? I think we all probably do. Webster's Dictionary defines meek as enduring injury with patience and without resentment, meaning mild, deficient in spirit and courage, meaning submissive, and I don't like that, deficient in spirit and courage, not violent or strong, moderate. Basically, meekness is an attitude in which a person is willing to accept and submit without resistance to the will and desire of someone else for the Christian submissiveness to God. You know, and submissiveness to God is, is, a, is a hard thing to do. Uh, if, if you think about it yourself, think about where you are with this. Have you or I truly submitted to God in everything? Or do we still fight it? Is God the last person we go to in prayer when we have a great need? Do we try and do stuff on our own before we get to that point and then we realize, wow, I should have gone to the Lord first for direction? Uh, you know, just as Jesus says, the meek will inherit the earth, it's noteworthy uh, that God promised much to Abraham. I was going to read Genesis 13. I'm not going to do that this morning. But the story is that Abraham and Lot were going to Bethel, and uh, Abraham obviously had extreme wealth. Uh, Lot had a fair amount of his own, and uh, the land that they were on could not bear both of them. So they decided uh, to part ways, and as far as the east is from the west, 
you know, Abraham gave Lot the opportunity to go where he wanted. He chose some pretty fine-looking land with a lot of uh, uh, water uh, for all the cattle. And, of course, that's how you measured wealth in those days, right? How, m- how much uh, livestock that you had. And uh, Lot ended up heading over towards Sodom and Gomorrah. We know what happened there. And because of the way Abraham handled that, he gave deference to Lot. Uh, even though he had all that he had. He could have said, no, 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 I'm going to choose. But he didn't do that. He took a much milder, meeker way, if you will, uh, of handling that, and God rewarded him graciously. Uh, I'm going to read a story to you, and it's got a little bit of humor to it. And it doesn't describe meekness the way we might think about it, but it gives you an idea about the attitude, striving, we just talked about, you know, inheriting the earth, right? So as, as you listen to this, think about the guy who is telling the other guy what he could do and how he should do it and what he hopes to gain. And this is an anonymous uh, story. The story is told about a rich industrialist who noticed one day a fisherman that was sitting lazily beside his boat. The rich man asked, why aren't you out there fishing? The fisherman responded, because I've caught enough fish for today. The rich man then said, why don't you catch more fish than you need? The puzzled fisherman responded, what what would I do with them? The rich man answered, you could earn more money, and you could buy a better and bigger boat, so you could go deeper and catch even more fish. You could even purchase nylon nets. I don't think they had nylon back in that day catch even more fish, and make more money, soon you would have a fleet of boats and be rich like me. The fisherman then asked, then what would I do? The rich man answered, then you could sit down and enjoy life and take it, take it easy. To this, the fisherman smiled and said, what do you think I'm doing now? You know, just a little bit of humor that... Uh, we can, and we're going to read a verse, that you can go a great way to try and achieve much in the world, uh, but it's hard to be meek when you're doing that, right? And uh, in this case, this fisherman caught what he needed for the day. If we were able to go further in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, the disciples asked Jesus, how should we pray? And in the Lord's Prayer, it says, Give us this day our what? Daily bread. Not weekly, monthly, yearly. Our daily bread. Hard to think like that, isn't it? We tend to like to think way out. Psalm 37, 1 through 11 says this. And this, remind now, this is David. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall uh, shall soon be cut down like the grass, and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord, and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and and he shall give thee the desire of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. 
and he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil, for evildoers shall be cut off. But those who wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Notice what David says in the Old Testament. Trust in the Lord, delight thyself in the Lord, commit thy, thy way unto the Lord, and rest in the Lord. Complete dependence on our Heavenly Father is the key to peace and prosperity, not extreme wealth, not wants, but needs is what the Lord promises us. One final note on this beatitude we find in Mark 8. Uh, and when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That's that's a, a pretty serious attitude. Deny ourselves and take up the cross. And that's a daily thing as well. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation. What kind of world do we live in today? <laughs> and this was written how long ago? Of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed, and when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Verse 6, Matthew 5. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Those who seek righteousness from God not from themselves, will be filled. Hunger and thirst for God's Word, His will, His way, will be filled. Physical hunger and thirst and the need to satiate them are an example we can all understand. We all know what it's like to be hunger, hungry and thirsty. Not so much in this country as other parts of the world, but we have probably all found ourselves within a 24-hour period of in this situation. Not to the extreme, of course, how blessed we are. We know when we have not eaten well for a long time, we are low on energy and weak in physical strength. The same when we are thirsty. If we become dehydrated, all sorts of physical changes occur, like dizziness, irritability, fatigue, cognitive impairment, headaches, muscle cramps, etc., Hunger and thirst left unchecked will result in more serious health, health issues. The same is true of our spiritual life. If we are not craving righteousness and filling our hearts and minds with God's Word and guidance, it is no mystery that we will continue to hunger and thirst for what will make us whole and energetic for our peace and His kingdom work. We find another comment in uh, 
John, and I'm not going to read it all. I just want to read you what Christ says regarding the woman at the well in John 4, 7. Uh, we all know Christ uh, traveled to the well. We know he knew exactly where he was going, who he was going to meet, and what the conversation was going to be. So, uh, John 4, verses 7 through 14. Sorry, should have had this marked. I thought I did. John 4, 7 through 14 says, Then cometh the woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, how is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep, from whence thou hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered her and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever shall drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So the woman chose wisely in the case of satiating her spiritual thirst. Verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Essentially what Jesus is conveying to his disciples and us if we are merciful and show mercy to others, we shall obtain mercy. And what is mercy? Mercy is not receiving what we deserve. Grace is receiving what we don't deserve. We are given mercy from the Lord, therefore are we not obligated to show mercy? The same is true of forgiveness. If we as Christians are holding a grudge and on forgiveness against someone, we must forgive them. This is why we examine ourselves before each time we partake of the bread and the cup. And that's every time. When the pastor uh, opens up uh, before the bread and the cup, we take that moment of silent prayer to examine ourselves. Do we have a grudge against anybody? Do we have an argument with anyone before we take of that bread and that cup? So we don't do it unworthily. Serious business. It's hard to get this one wrong. If we show mercy, we're going to be blessed. And how do we show mercy? Compassion. Mercy for someone else's need, be it physical, emotional, or spiritual. Uh, teaching. Salvation. Mercy for their soul. Praying for someone, whatever the need. Mercy should be expected from the Christian by the believer and the unbeliever alike. Uh, I would say 
adding to that before we move on, that mercy is something today that we, we definitely need to be showing each other. Uh, just think of the world that we live in. I don't care if you turn the news on for five minutes. Five minutes and you're going to get uh, a full plate of what's going on in the world and, and why we need uh, as Christians to be showing mercy. Uh, in our men's ministry meeting yesterday, uh, someone brought up the fact that, uh, you know, we are different. We are to be set apart from the world. Today, there's a lot going on in the church at large, in congregations uh, around this country, maybe the world, uh, where the world is slowly seeping into the church, right? As soon as that happens, this book becomes irrelevant, even to the slightest degree. They may not say that. They may not be preaching that or teaching that. But once you deviate from this book, we've gone astray. And, and that's a slippery slope to be going down. Verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The Greek word for pure is katharos. It means clean, pure, physically purified by fire. Similarly, in an agricultural analogy, pruning of the vine in order to bear more fruit. So let's go back to the purifying of fire. Uh, we've all known probably early in life uh, why I didn't know what this was doing initially until I got a little older. When I had a splinter, my mom would get a needle, a sewing needle, and she would turn the fire flame on and she would stick it in there for just a few seconds and of course it would turn black on the tip right and then take the splinter why did she do that to to purify it right to clean it so that there'd be no infection because when you're digging that splinter out you don't want to cause more pain more uh, uh, infection so early early on you, you kind of get the idea of what the flame does to purify Webster's Dictionary defines pure as this, unmixed with any other matter, free from dust and dirt, spotless and stainless. We are to be all in for God when we are saved. This is a process. That process is called sanctification. It doesn't happen at the moment you accept Christ as Lord and Savior. Your life is certainly changed you're, the Holy Spirit is going to be prodding us to move away from bad habits, uh, bad thinking, uh, hanging out maybe with uh, people that we used to hang out with that maybe are doing things that are not scriptural. But having a mindset back to our first beatitude, poor in spirit. If we're poor in spirit, and we, we never think, as we read in Romans, that we're you know, more highly of ourselves, that you know, I've achieved uh, a certain place in life, and therefore you're, you're, you're thinking from a condescending attitude. That's why I took time to read all those verses. It's all about our attitude. It's all about our attitude. We need to be constantly thinking about how blessed we are by God to be where we are uh, as Christians. 
And if we're in that mindset, we're not going to move far off how we should be acting. And if we do, and we will, the Holy Spirit is going to convict us. But we have to be paying attention. Uh, nothing such as a desire for something or things that could become an idol. And, and here's the danger. This, things can become an idol very, very quickly and very easily. It could be anything. Anything that we focus more attention on than we do the Lord. Anything could become an idol. Person, thing, hobby, whatever. You get the point. Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Peace. Oh, how the world seeks peace. How we seek peace and can't find it. How we seek peace in our lives and struggle to maintain it, just to maintain peace. It almost seems elusive at times, doesn't it? Romans 14, 17 through 19 says, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ, acceptable to God and approved of men, let us therefore follow the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify one another. Who are the peacemakers and what do they do? Everyone can be a peacemaker at times, but we do have to get involved it's a little messy sometimes, in order to help others solve a conflict. One more story for you. Again, I believe this is an anonymous uh, article that uh, I got uh, from a story that was rewritten by uh, Melody Venkata and Krishna Murthy, authors unknown. So as I read this to you, I think you'll, you'll see what the point is here, and we probably may have found ourselves in this situation at one time or another. Carl and Sam were at odds with each other. They could not even remember the initial cause of friction, but their hostility had festered through the years. A deeply concerned deacon prayed that God would use him as a peacemaker. He called on Carl. What do you think of Sam, he asked. He's the sorriest guy in town. But he countered, but countered the deacon, you have to admit that he's a hardworking man. No one can deny that, said Carl. I've never known a person who worked harder. Next, the deacon visited Sam. Do you know what Carl said about you? But, uh, no, but I can imagine his lies, he responded angrily. This may surprise you, said the deacon, but he said he's never known a harder worker. He said that? Sam said, stunned. What do you think of Carl? asked the deacon. It's no secret that I have absolutely no use for him. But you must admit he's honest in business, said the deacon. There's no getting around that, said Sam. In business, he's a man you can trust. Later, the deacon met Carl again. Do you know what Sam said about you? He claims you, you're absolutely trustworthy in business, that you are scrupulously honest. Well, how about that, reacted Carl with a smile. Soon, the peacemaking deacon noticed that Sam and Carl would cautiously nod in a friendly sort of way. Before long, they were shaking hands, talking, even visiting each other's homes. Today, they are the best of friends. So, isn't that interesting? Talk about simplicity. 
how that deacon handled that. He first went to one, asked him what he thought about the other guy, then went to the other guy, told him what the other guy thought about him, asked him what he thought about the other guy, and then went back and told him. So he had very, very easily to solve that without muddying the waters, uh, was able to put those two on the right path and get them very quickly to understand that they actually had kind thoughts about each other. And isn't it always something very simple sometimes at the argument? It's called hurt feelings, hurt feelings and emotional. And I have to tell you, uh, as a deacon, and there's been a few th instances through the years where intervention has had to take place, uh, and added prayer, I might add. Uh, over many weeks, uh, we were able to bring those parties together. But the first thought that comes to my mind is, aren't we all reading the same book? But do you see how overpowering emotions can be? Even as Christians, sometimes we can let our emotions run away with us where we're not even paying attention to what we read in this and what we know to be true. Everyone can be a peacemaker at times, but again, we do have to get involved. And finally, in verse 10, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We don't like to talk about being persecuted. What is persecution exactly? It's hostility and ill treatment and can be directed at many people for many things and many beliefs. We think about it primarily as coming from a religious perspective. It is to be expected. Jesus says this in uh, the following verses in Matthew 5. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. It may not have been as much in the past as it is today in our country, but in other countries, persecution, persecution is an everyday thing. Every day. If you're a Christian in some countries uh, and you get caught with this book, you're in trouble. Big trouble. I'm going to finish with John 15, 18. I always like when the verses come right, right from, uh, from Jesus himself. John 15, 18 says this. And here we have it. I'm going to go back to 17. These things I command you that ye love one another. Right? Love your neighbor as yourself. If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. So I don't have to tell you that you can sense the persecution today coming from the world. Uh, it's irrefutable. Uh, every day you can see it in the news. We can read about it in other countries. We tend to think because it happens to other Christians in other countries that it's far off. Uh, so we don't tend to let that bother us so much, but we should because 
we talk about it all the time, maybe amongst ourselves, that it's getting tougher and tougher for pastors to stand behind this sacred desk and preach from this sacred book because of the laws that are changing in our country. And the pace of that happening is picking up uh, faster and faster. So be in prayer, be in prayer for your pastors, uh, our pastor, other pastors that you know may listen to, uh, and pastors in general, because they have a lot on their shoulders, a lot on their plate besides their daily duties. Just to preach the word to us uh, is a tremendous task. Take a look at the sign of the, above the door before you leave here this morning. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for your word, thankful for your guidance. Help us through the Holy Spirit to remember, especially the simple verses that tell us to love you and to love our neighbor, and then all the other verses that, that uphold that and support that. It's a hard thing to do, and we can't do it on our own. Matter of fact, it's impossible to do on our own. So we ask for the guidance of the Holy Spirit to help us love our neighbor, who is everybody, to pay attention to these Beatitudes and know that by performing them, we will be blessed. And we're thankful for it in Christ's name. Amen.